Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. I'm your host, Roddy DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dane Young, uh, who's rocking out in the car. And, of course, Jim Donnan, the only reason you are tuned in, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach, the Hall of Famer, the uh, man that we go to with all of our questions. And if you have questions, we want you to send them in. I know there's some from the dog event. We will get to them here in a bit. But if you have a question, I know we say this often and sometimes I don't get to them, but go ahead and put it in the comments section there and we will – uh, do our best to get to them this week. So just drop your uh, comment there. If, if you're watching on Facebook, put it in the comment section. If you're watching it on YouTube, put it in the uh, chat there, and we will jump on the questions as they um, as they total up. All right, uh, Coach, it's a another uh, off-season week. We know that uh, we reported some time ago that Georgia's going to start practice on March 14th, and that um, uh, practice, uh, sp the spring game will be April 15th. But it's the offseason, and there's very few good things that happen in the offseason. There's just there's not a lot of great news that breaks. But tomorrow is signing day. Georgia may – and we've got a note from UGA saying we might not sign anybody tomorrow. We might sign one. We might sign two. But there's because there's not going to be a lot of signees tomorrow, there won't be a Kirby Smart signing day press conference. So we won't get to see Kirby Smart tomorrow. So we're going to make you step in and be the guy. And we want to talk a little bit about the 2023 class and what's coming in. Uh, but we also needed to address the fact that, you know, there's some off-season stuff going on. Todd Munkin's interviewing. Uh, he, he's back in Athens now. We can report that he is uh, over at the Foundry with Kirby Smart tonight talking about spring practice. He's back in town. But, you know, he's interviewed for a couple jobs. And, you know, Stetson Bennett, the uh, wonder kid, has uh, had a little run-in in Dallas. That's not good news for Georgia. So the headlines have been bad. And the headlines tomorrow aren't exactly going to be – could be less than a normal signing day for Georgia. So I'm going to open it up to you to kind of get your thoughts on the offseason uh, topics of the uh, week. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's a guy on your website that everybody really looks to for to say something and that be what it is. Uh, what's his name? Bulldog Rob or Bulldog Bob or something <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, I just – I don't see Todd Munkin going to either of these two jobs. I mean, number one, the quarterback situation at, at, is up in the air for sure. At Tampa, uh, you, you got a situation where they got a running quarterback that, uh, you know, at the Ravens, that they're not even sure if they can sign him or not. Uh, he's got a good situation here as far as – you know, uh, liking it here. Uh, it's just normal angst for anybody when a guy – you can't blame him for looking it out. He has a pro background. He likes the pros. Yeah. You know, if the Chargers would have offered him the job, who knows? I mean, the Chargers got a quarterback. But you, you can't go somewhere you don't have a quarterback. So, I'm going to say just to make this program, you're talking about everything's not sounding. I'm just going to say he's not going to go to one of these two jobs. He might go to another. but And I could be wrong. Uh, but I doubt it. So, uh, uh, as far as Stetson, just dumbass. Uh, first of all, not going to the senior bowl. I don't know why he didn't do that. And then, you know, they put out that false video. That was Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah. And uh, But, you know, I just I, – I love Stetson. I've been his biggest supporter. And people make mistakes, that's for sure. But you, you just got to – you know, uh, you just got to bite the bullet here and understand that you're starting over and these people that are going to be investing in you are going to base it on 
what they see as far as from here forward. I mean, they're going to look at the tape and all, but they're looking at the combine. He's gone down there to train, and I think it'll work out okay. Uh, you know, the training he'll get that will help him, but I hated that that happened for him because everything else has been so good. And uh, so that's what else do you want me to talk about here? I can see, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Uh, we'll, get, we'll have Dane jump in here in a second, but I want to ask you a little bit about the draw of the NFL. So a lot of people they're worried about Todd Munkin going to the NFL, and we know that in years past, it was a big deal that you got him from the NFL, even though he had been a college head coach and had coached in college before. Uh, he's coached he, seven years in the pros. He's coached so, seven years, and he's coached about fifteen to twenty in in a, in, a, in the uh, college ranks. Uh, but the lure, the lure of the NFL from a lifestyle perspective is, you know, it's 24-7, no recruiting. It's all teaching. You know, you got the players there all day uh, and, and for your practices. Uh, it's just uh, nothing's easy. I mean, there's a lot of, but you don't have to worry about chasing players around. And I'm not saying that coaches uh, – you know, you revel at it. If you're going to be any good at recruiting, you got to do it. But uh, it's just a – it's more of a football uh, atmosphere from the standpoint of the act, no, no academic story about and things like that. So a lot of guys, you know, prefer that. I'm not saying that anybody in particular does the one over the other, but that's the lure really. And then financially, even though George has done some good things here uh, – they paid three point five million for their coordinator last year at Tampa, uh, uh, Leftwich Brian Leftwich, who played at Marshall. So, they, you know, they those guys, uh, the brothers down there, uh, they own the uh, that that one soccer team over in Europe. The Glazers, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they the, the Glazer family. Uh, they just went in the backyard and dug up a couple cans. They'd probably have two million in cans there and in cash. So, uh, they, you know, I I, I don't really uh, – and I don't worry about coaches leaving near as much as, as maybe some people do uh, just because of, of the M.O. that Kirby has had here. Uh, he's done a really good job of uh, replacing every coach that's ever left. He has people in the wings that he trains to, to take non-coordinator jobs, and he had somebody to take over the coordinator job last year for uh, landing there. You know, he, he and uh, Muschamp and uh, Schumann took it over, but uh, Schumann had the code D coordinator title. So uh, I just feel like uh, there's a lot of things in place here regardless who leaves you, you see the coaches that left last year uh receiver coach left you brought in b mac offensive line coach left i mean the landing left i mean secondary coach left so uh georgia just uh, people waiting in line to come here and work so uh you're looking for something to worry about uh <laughs> i'm telling you that uh yeah, but coach, this is a little bit different. This is the offensive coordinator that a lot of people credit George's last two titles with. I mean, they not as like it was just him alone, but they feel like he was maybe oh, we, the we played horseshit defense last year. Horseshit for two years. We haven't done anything on defense. Our special teams suck. 
we don't play anything at all as, as far as covering kicks, kicking field goals, doing all that one out of every six plays, leading the nation in uh, total defense. Uh, come on. I mean, I'm a big Todd Munkin fan, and he's done a He's done a terrific job here. There's no question about it. But every team we played the last two years, except Alabama and Ohio State, we had better players then. We had better players. And uh, so he would be the first to tell you that, you know, that it's a, it's a collaborative effort between all the coaches, and he gives them credit for that. But he certainly would be somebody we would miss, no question. But his system's in place here. We got guys that can run that system. We got quarterbacks that know it. We got guys that can call it. So uh, that uh, that doesn't bother me near as much as that. I mean, I'm not going to say the average Joe out there, but, I mean, it, it, you have a tendency to be class, you know, the glass half uh, empty there. I mean, I, I don't – I wouldn't worry about that. I want him to stay. I've told him that personally. Hey, I want you to – but I want you to do what's best for you. But yeah. I promise you right now, we will rock. We will rock whatever we do. Uh, whoever's in that chair, we will rock. Might, well, might rock better with him, but it won't be much different. Well, that brings up the question, Dane, I'll ask you this. How much – when you guys do the film breakdowns, when you watch it, how much of this is – the system that Kirby wants to run and how much of it is Todd Munkin. Cause I think a lot of people who are worried about this feel like, well, Todd Munkin leaves, there goes the entire offense. Now you got to start over. And I don't think that's the case. You know, I mean, Kirby smart is not going to allow an offense to run that he doesn't want to run because he's the head coach. That doesn't mean he's calling the specific plays as they happen, but the overall philosophy starts at the top. That's just how this structure works. Now, all that said, like I personally think that the losing Darnell Washington, is a bigger loss than really any of the offensive coaches you could lose just because you don't replace that. There are other good minds that you have on the team, but like you don't replace the blocking of a Darnell Washington. So the offense is going to change a little bit anyway, just because you adjust to the players that you have. Coach, I ask you the same question. How much of that? I think uh, certainly he, he, his ability to use formations and everything are are very uh, outstanding, uh, particularly with the tight ends. uh, And you saw, uh, a lot of the success we had was with 12 personnel. But I go back to Joe Brady at uh, at LSU. You know, he, he got a lot of credit for those guys. But, you know, I watched that game the other night. Who was a quarterback playing in a championship game? Joe Burrow. Who was a wide receiver? Uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, who was – I mean, I'm rhetorical questions. I'm going to answer them here. Uh, the, other, the other one was uh, – Who's, who's getting ready to get paid by the Minnesota Vikings? Justin, Je- I mean, Jefferson's getting ready to just get unbelievable amount of money from them. He was the other wide receiver, four four guys up front. You know, that's the same thing about us. We we got all star guys at every position. Uh, McClendon is going to get drafted. Jones will get drafted. Washington, Bauer. I mean, so we got good players. But uh, I can tell you this. And I'll just leave the show after the, today. Play calling is the most overrated thing in the history of football. <laughs> it is and not Todd Bucky, not anybody. It's just there's too much going on with the quarterback going nowadays. Teaching the quarterback is not overrated. That's what he's done a tremendous job more than anything is telling that guy what to do 
and to change plays and do all that. But players win games. Yeah. Players win for you, not plays. And uh, you're not, let me tell you this you're not going to out coach another team. You're not going to out coach them. If they're not as prepared as you, you might. But most of the time, we're not going to out coach Nick Saban. He's not going to out coach us. You, your players got to go out there and play. It's just, that's just the way it is. And uh, people can argue with me about that all, but I never thought we out coached Tom Osborne when we beat him four straight games. Our players just played, outplayed them. That was it. We had good plans. They had good plans, but. You were killing the market market value of all the other offensive coordinators out there, all the head coaches. You're killing their value. Coach, did, did you ever? I'm not. I'm talking about calling plays. I, I know. I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm about Kirby Smart. You've done it. You did it your whole life. I appreciate the honesty. That hey, it's the players. It's not the. Let me just give you an example. When I was at Oklahoma. We had Troy Aikman. I was hired to put in a passing system there because we had Troy Aikman and Kirby and uh, Keith Jackson. Troy breaks his ankle against Miami. We put the wishbone in in a week. I'd never called a wishbone in my life. I didn't know wishbone plays. I didn't know anything about it. But I was offensive coordinator, so I was calling the plays. And, I mean, it was a learning system for me. We won the national championship in eight weeks. We won the national championship after a guy broke his leg. And I couldn't have told you on the October the 2nd, one thing about the wishbone, but December the 31st, I knew a lot about it. But, I mean, my players did a heck of a job. But, I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about, though. you got to adjust, and your players do what they, they're capable of. Coach, did you ever interview for a job in the NFL, or were you lured by the NFL? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a weird thing. Uh, Bill Parcells and I go back a long way, and th- this guy, Red whatever his name, I can't remember his last name. He was the owner of the Minnesota Vikings and he wanted to get a college coach to be the coach. And uh, Parcells told him about me. And uh, I asked Mary about it. She said, you can go up there, but I'm not going to Minnesota. <laughs> so I never talked to him. I don't think he would. I, I never did that interview, but I had some interviews in the uh, pro uh, uh, assistant jobs, but uh, I, I just never had to, never felt like I wanted to go and, uh, Coach the pros. I'm, I'm one of these guys that just loves the recruiting and loves the uh, teaching part of seeing the kid develop and all that. And, you know, uh, well, that's one of the good things about having your birthday on Facebook. I, I looked at all these guys that wish me a happy birthday that played for me or was a manager for me or trainer for me. And that, that makes you feel good to know that you were involved with all those kids. And for those who don't know, Coach birthday, Coach's birthday was this past weekend. He turned 58. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Looks good for 58. I'm in the fourth quarter now. I can tell you that. I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 trending towards being a physical wreck. I hate to tell you, Coach, but I see some of these salaries coaches are getting. I think you're in the wrong generation. Oh yeah, but yeah. that's what they're getting uh above the table. Who you know, we used to get a lot of stuff below the table, you know. We got Says, I know when I when I was no you, we used to sell our Texas tickets and our uh, uh, season tickets. You know the the uh, like the what do you call the McGill Society or something like that. Somebody in the in the Sooner Club would buy our tickets from us, Texas, and they instead of them paying the money to the school for the points or whatever, they paid it to us. 
So we we got uh, we got that instead of the school. That's the way Switzer wanted it. And then you know the school got plenty on top of that. But that was a pretty good perk. Well, I was joking about these. Uh, to Dane's point about the guys not being worth the salaries they're being paid, and uh, I was being facetious there. But Todd Munkin himself, we asked him point blank, you know, what makes a good coordinator? You know, do you want to go back to the NFL? And he said, you know, he likes the NFL. He like, and he mentioned that, you know, the, he didn't say the recruiting stuff. He seems says he likes the recruiting aspect of it. But when we talk to people outside, you know, in the profession, they're like, it used to be, you know, you had to recruit high school kids. Now you got to recruit your own team all the time right. because of the portal and the NIL stuff. You got to deal with that. But Todd Munkin said, you want to know what makes a good coordinator? You want to know what makes these guys good? You want to know what makes me successful? I got better players. He says, you never see a coach with bad players. I mean, you never, you never see a good coach with bad players. He says, you know, yeah. you can't coach around yeah. that, you know. Exactly. I mean, who's people, the best offensive coordinator, in his words, the guy that's got the best players. <laughs> yeah, and you look at uh, his, his career path. I mean, he had a great uh, year there at Oklahoma State uh, when, he, when he had that uh, baseball player uh, – be his quarterback, and he did, did, and you know they won the uh, Big Twelve that year. Uh, no, I think they ended up losing to Iowa State, which would have won it for him. But, um, but it's like, I mean, fortunately for me, I coached at some really good places, and there's some really good coaches that haven't had the records at some of the others because of where they're coaching. And they're having to out, you know do everything they can to just compete because they don't have as good a player. So, but that's why you see some of these lesser guys getting jobs at some of these better places because they're having to coach with lesser talent. And that's why they move up and like Mike Gundy just hired a guy from a D three school to be his defensive coordinator. Cause he runs a three, three, five. I wonder how like uh, coach Hatcher would do, you know, with a, squad like Georgia's or, you know, Alabama or Clemson or something like great. that. Great. He'd do good. I mean, he did good when he's at Kentucky. I mean, he's, he's a good, he's a good offensive coach. Uh, you, you just watch the film. And that's one of the things that I like about our team. We always look like we know what we're doing. We never look like we're, uh, you know, getting ready to have a delay a game penalty or where we handle our motions and shifts without running into each other. I mean, we're well coached team. I mean, both sides of the ball plus kicking. I mean, they, they don't they don't put up with much flip flopping around. That's for sure. I mean, Roddy, you were talking about the film stuff. Like, you give me Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington on one side with Kenny McIntosh running behind them. I'm not going to be a horrible offensive coordinator with that. <laughs> like, I, there may be people that can do it a little better than me or can motivate better, but like, that's going to at least have me in the ballpark of being able to compete against teams that don't have that. And that's a good point because, you know, you're basically looking at what Georgia's returning on the offense. It's it's pretty impressive. And we spoke to you know, our guys, Brent Gilmer, excuse me, Blaine Gilmer, Jed May, and the guys. They spoke to Dylan Rayola. Now, people may not know who Dylan is. He's the number one player in the country for next year. Now, tomorrow is national the official national signing day. Georgia's got most of his class signed. Georgia might pick up a couple of tight ends tomorrow. They might pick up no one tomorrow. We, we just don't know. Uh but tomorrow's the day you officially kind of turn the clock to the 2024 class. Now Georgia has the number one 2020 number one class in 2024 and 2025. Kids are coming to play for the University of Georgia 
and that includes the number one player in the nation looking hard at Georgia, Dylan Rayola, five-star quarterback. This is a guy Georgia wants as bad as Arch Manning. All you casual recruiting fans out there, you probably heard of Arch Manning, the number one kid in 2023. This is a guy Georgia wants really badly. He came on our show last night, Rumors versus Facts, and which was a great score for our guys. And he basically said, Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin have been very upfront with us about the interviews. And he said he was excited that Todd Munkin was getting these opportunities to be interviewed, you know, in multiple places by the Ravens, by the uh, Buccaneers. He said he deserves it. He's won back-to-back titles. He deserves to, you know, have those conversations. And he says if he leaves, Kirby Smart already has a plan in place. He has people in the program ready to step into those shoes. And that makes me think, you know, there's a, a, a Mike Bobo, a Brian McClendon, you know, uh, uh, somebody on the staff or somebody that knows the system that Kirby Smart wants to run. You're not going to change it everything midstream when you're on a two-year title run. And it's not like you're going to lose all these great players, to your point, Dane. You, you've still got a Marius Mims over there on the side. You have Tate Rattledge beside him, Cedric Van Pran beside him, Xavier Trust. You know, you're only changing out basically your left tackle from the starting lineup that you had. You still got Brock Bowers and, you know, uh, uh, Lad McConkey and all you know, the talented players. So, uh, Coach, what would it look like if – how much changes if Bobo Mike Bobo steps in or Brian McClendon or Dell McGee or somebody like that? Yeah, I think you keep – I mean, I'd be surprised if they changed the, the way you call plays as far as the names of the formations and the plays. I mean – uh, it's a lot easier for the one person to change if you're coming in new uh, than it is all the players. But if you already been here, it's you already know how to do it too. Uh, so I, I don't see any any issue there. You know, uh, there there's some coaches that have a little bit different ideas about the number of, of plays you run or the number of formations you carry going into a game compared to another guy, you know, some use a lot more volume than others, but uh, philosophically, I mean, Kirby's going to, you know, he, he let one of his best friends go changing philosophies, you know what I mean? And so he, he's going to make sure that that philosophy stays the same. Well, and Roddy, at one point that like before the season this last year, when Georgia hired Stacy Searles, like there was a portion of the fan base that the you know, there's a portion of the fan base that gripes about everything, but they were complaining that oh, what's he accomplishing? This is a step down, and Georgia's got to get the best, and yada yada yada. And then Georgia's offensive line performs like that this year because when you take a coach that has a history of doing good things and can get good players on campus, and then they have good players in that group, all of a sudden. They're a lot better. And again, yeah. you give me Broderick Jones, I can probably coach offensive line okay. That's a good point. Good point. And here's the other thing the cohesiveness of the situation is also good with your players because the players uh, are a little bit more apt to go with change if you're not doing well. But if you're, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix, you know, don't change it. So, uh, I think from the standpoint of uh, the other thing is Searles and, and McClendon and Bobo have worked together and met together and watched tape together for a long time before they were even here uh, last year together. So that, that means a lot too. And then uh, of course, coach McGee, I could see whoever got the job 
he might be a co-coordinator, kind of like what you saw with uh, Muschamp and and uh, Coach uh, uh, Schumann. Schumann, but but you know we're wasting time here because the guy's not leaving. So let's go. <laughs> well, I just wanted to. No, I mean we've hit that enough that I, I just I'm, I'm giving you my Bulldog Bob one A prediction that if another pro job comes open that has a quarterback. I would say he would look at it pretty hard because that you know he likes that kind of stuff. But I just that's just I'm just adding up the pluses and the minuses compared to the pluses and the minuses here. You don't go searching out a uh, something that, and he's he's smart enough to know that a and this is something that Switzer told me about going after a job when I was looking at some head jobs. He says, "What makes you think that you can go somewhere?" and do something that somebody else has never done before. That's a good point. And, uh, you know, people do that occasionally, but not very often. Usually the tradition – but I think with NIL and all that stuff around, you can see some maybe some things changing in the transfer portal. You can see quicker fixes in college than you used to. But uh, pro ball with the uh, salary cap and the draft and all that, it's hard to – Hard to catch up. All right. Well, with your guarantee, I'm going to give you folks another guarantee, and that's going to be that our friends at Athens Ford will take fantastic care of you if you go out there and check their lot for all the different cars they have out there. Right now, they're sitting around 400 cars. Again, you know, that's been up to 11, 1200. I've seen it down to 200, but that guarantee that's more cars than anybody else has in Athens right now. They're absolutely loaded. Uh, they have New ones, pre-owned, certified pre-owned, trade-ins, a ton of them. Basically, uh, the new Broncos were out there. There was one point they had three of them lined up side by side. They were so rare early on. Now you're starting to see them trickle in. Of course, they have the Ford F-150, the best-selling vehicle, best-selling truck in America, America's favorite truck. Now they have the Scapes, the uh, Mustangs, Explorers, my wife Explorer. I, I really like it. And if you are a student in Athens, you know, or you're a recent grad college graduate, go check out them, check them out, get the $500 discount. And if you are current or former military, check and see if you can qualify for the $500 military discount. Now, the biggest thing we always tell folks about Athens Ford is, you know, they got the great service area. They got the great customer service. They get all these five-star ratings, you know, from um, uh, Carfax and, uh, you know, ratemyseller.com and all those different sites. But I don't want you to remember any of that. I just want you to remember that if you're going to Athens Ford, you're going to get a lifetime powertrain warranty on just about anything you buy. Of course, all the new ones, all the certified pre-owned, and just about any pre-owned vehicle under 80,000 miles. That is not something you can get at every Ford dealership. Don't just think, well, if I'm buying a Ford, I can get the lifetime powertrain warranty. You have to go to Athens Ford. Okay, it's the one on the west side of Athens. There's another one nearby with a similar name. That's not the one we're talking about. We're talking about Athens Ford. Where's the name? Where's your favorite school located? Athens. That's where you need to go. All right. Also want to mention our friends at Europi. Okay. They have the new triple threat. You got to check that out. It's going to be very good. I also want to try the Nashville hot chicken pizza. This is a phenomenal pizza. Okay. If you like hot, you know, Nashville hot chicken, that's one of my favorites. I enjoy going to Nashville, getting that. Uh, I, I, I like the burn. Well, I've always mentioned that the uh, Southern Heat was my favorite pizza. When I, every time I would go to uh, Europe, I, 
Well, now that Nashville hot chicken is pretty good. So try that one when you get a chance. You'll absolutely love it. Uh, today, it's a little too late probably to get your double points on a Tuesday. But just remember that whenever you go to uh, buy something from your pie, use the your pie app, get the points that add up really quickly. Basically, they're customer loyalty points. They ju- they add up and you get free pizzas, free gelatos, free drinks, uh, free brownies, free sandwiches, free pastas, free breadsticks, stuff like that. So hit up a friend at your pie. There's about 70 locations. I do have a auto- Malachi Starks autographed backpack that we will be giving away to one lucky viewer of this show. So uh, once I remember how to use the giveaway in this uh, sh- on the show, we will bring that in and we will let uh, folks, uh, you just put a hashtag in there. And it'll let you uh, po- uh, be qualified for the Malachi Starks autographed backpack. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah they, they support UGA. So uh, they do it. They did an NIL deal with Malachi Starks. And cool create that malapai coach uh tomorrow georgia might get one might get two might get zero tight ends i think that's pretty much the um in the 2023 class the last two remaining targets are deuce robinson the number one tight end of the nation and walker lyons the number four tight end of the nation they already have a commitment from the number three tight end of the nation and pierce Sperling. and of course they have uh lost and lucky Lost and lucky. I'm not sure. I know he's on the top list. I just couldn't remember exactly where he's at. One thing, anybody's got much better athlete than that guy, then they they got a pretty high ranking because I mean that guy stepped right in here, and uh, he can run and move. Uh, don't worry about him. But from what I can gather, talking before the show, I talked to a few people inside and out of each programs, different areas, and all. I think the the big deal with Deuce Robinson is the baseball lure, you know, he's got a chance to get big money in the pro baseball. And it's just a question of whether he's going to make that commitment. If not, I think Georgia sound looks pretty good. I mean, uh, he certainly got some other choices with USC and uh, some of those other schools, but uh, you know, I I know coach Hartley's done a really good job with him and I'd be surprised if he plays football, if he plays anywhere beside Georgia, I just think that's where he'll go. Uh, Walter Lyons uh, is uh, is a guy that uh, is going to go on a mission to Norway for a year. And, uh, you know, he's trying to decide where he wants to make his commitment uh, to play football. Uh, there's a lot of talk about now he might stay closer to home and then come back after the mission and, you know, go to school out there. But uh, I, know he, I know George is still – felt pretty good about him going into the last week. So uh, that would be an unbelievable tight end haul. Of course, we're losing some good tight ends too. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Seether's going to Tech. I uh, saw where Grody's going to uh, – I've never seen of a, a, a duet go like that. His, uh, his uh, fiance plays volleyball, so they're going to go down to Mississippi State. Ryan's a great kid, a good player. He just was wrong place at the wrong time with all the guys we had. but. He's he's definitely a number one person, and I hope it works out good for him. Uh, uh, I like Rylan Goody. It's an interesting scenario tomorrow, though, uh, when you have a signing day and you don't even have all those people over there looking to see who's going to sign and all that. But uh, that's the way it goes. 
that's uh, people keep saying, well, when, when are we going to hear an announcement? I'm like, I don't know that uh, either one of them has a set time for an announcement tomorrow. I don't know that either one will make an announcement. It's a situation where uh, from what I've understood, what I understand, nothing's going to happen tomorrow with either one of them, but it could. Uh, Deuce Robinson, for, for folks who may not know this, I mean, he's, uh, I think, the number 20 something player in the nation. He's the number one tight end. Uh, if you look at him, you just, I mean, just jumps off the page as an athlete. And this is from somebody who sees athletes every day. He's obviously just gifted, but he is a top baseball guy. He had a workout for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I think they want to explore that. There's been a rumor going around where he basically said, uh, I think I want to do baseball and then walk on at football. And I'm just like, I don't know that any school was, would uh, work. That'd be able to work out really. Uh, it's, there's, it's such a time commitment. Coach, you've had players that want to do baseball and football. Did, did you have any that did it successfully? Oh, sure. I mean, you, you, you know, you got you got guys that do sport guys. When I was here, Larry Brown played basketball. He helped them get in the NCAAs. Uh, uh, you, you got guys over the years that played baseball and uh, football. And uh, I know Arian Smith's running track and uh, has run track here. And uh, so it's possible, but I think in, in the case of this situation, uh, you know, he's probably going to go see what he can do in baseball. If he's, if he does go baseball and then he can always fall back on it. I mean, you look at some of these guys, Chris Winky played baseball five or six years and then went to Florida state and won the Heisman trophy uh, a quarterback at uh one of those schools out there in North Texas is 30 years old. He played baseball for like seven or eight years. So well, apparently uh, if, they're, if they're over 20 or if they're over 24 years old, then it's not fair. And that's what we learned this year. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> that's a good, good statement there. I'll, well, drink, is, everyone I'll, was, I'll drink to that. Everyone was bitching about Stetson. I'm like, what about Hooker? they're like, what, what about him? I'm like, Oh, okay. That's how it's going to be. Nobody was bitching about Chris Winkie. It was like, oh, how great is it that he came back and this helped them win? Hendon Hooker. Yeah. I, that's that's why I just – I got a kick out of how, you know, that was finally the, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, for the uh, uh, Stetson supporters was that he was he was too old, you know. So uh, I'm kind of impressed, though, that this Walker Lions kid is – you know, he's got – quite the future ahead of him, but he's very devout. Apparently he's a Mormon and he's going to go on the mission trip. And sometimes it can be up to two years. If Georgia, basically if he says yesterday, Hey, I want to commit to Georgia. You basically just take, he doesn't count as an initial, he's not an initial counter until he shows up. Right. So you could just right. say, Hey, we got your commitment. But, but if he does sign the national letter, which we would like for him to do, if he signs the national letter of intent, that would bind him up until next year at this time. Okay. That's, that's kind of what I was getting at. What is the mechanics of how that works? Well, that would be a, that would be a definite uh, plus for us. And it'd be a, a way of showing him that, look, we probably don't think you're coming in here this year because, you know, that's why we signed three tight ends, hopefully Deuce. But, you know, next year we would limit maybe the number of guys and you'd be one of them. So. You know, I was that's thinking, the way I'm saying it. I don't, I'm, I don't know if that's the way our people are looking at it or not. No, I'm with you there. Uh, I need to figure out when the baseball draft is because I think that 
if I'm Deuce Robinson, I don't sign anywhere until I find out what happens with the draft. And you don't they don't have to sign. You know, they just show right, up. Right after right after uh Pete kids get out of high school. It's like end of May or something like that, I think. So we we Because you know what you always see the SEC players getting playing in a crime or getting drafted. Yeah, Dash always does a good job keeping up with that. I got I should have remembered that from the but it seems like we start covering baseball in January and it goes through July. So yeah, hey, spring sports are here. I want to congratulate the, the dogs tennis teams, both of them qualifying for the internet for the ITA, uh the indoors uh ones in Seattle for the uh women and the Chicago for the men, but off to a good start. They had to play outside because, you know, our courts are getting fixed up. Uh, we'll have new indoor courts next year. But uh, you're just happy because Manny Diaz signed the number one recruiting class. He had a good class. And, he, you know, that's the same thing. You're a lot better coach when you got guys can hit the ball a lot harder than the other guys. So it's amazing to me uh, as much as I'm react to the, the athletes that uh, football, the highest velocity. It's how much harder the people hit a tennis ball now than when I played. Uh, it's just uh, I can't even believe how hard they hit it. And, uh, of course, the, the rackets are different. It's all the rackets, Coach. Uh, and Lord, I mean, scary, scary. Hey, uh, let's get some of these questions here. We got one from uh, DBusk2310 uh, on the dog event. And, folks, we we always start with the, uh, our readers of the dog event because they support us and – make this show possible. Dbusk 2310 says, Coach, in evaluating the quarterback battle, what are the factors the staff will take into consideration? I think it's a good question because a lot of people want to know what, you know, what are they looking for? Just, we can look at height, width, arm strength, and all that, but what do the coaches look at? Well, decision-making. Uh, you know, everything you do uh, with your programs based on how your signal caller is going to react when the band's playing. So not only what you do right, but what you avoid doing. Uh, you know, by taking needless, by making needless uh, mistakes, uh, protecting the football, uh, you know, knowing when to get in and out of plays, uh, executing your fakes, uh, reading the defense, all that. So the acumen part is big on it. Uh, you, you know, you, it's got to be a given that you have the physical ability with the arm strength and the accuracy and the, uh, uh, movement in the pocket. You got to have some kind of movement now because of, of the way these defensive people can can really rush the passer and things like that. But but I'd just say uh, decision making is really big, uh, huge. So you're basically saying that it's not it's not something physical we're going to be able to see. We're, it's the calls well, of the given. You you better have the physical traits, or yeah. you're not going to have a chance to do the mental part. Right, that's fair. Uh, you know, otherwise, you know, you go out there and get some little little nerd to go out there and, and be your quarterback that can's got an IQ. That, but uh, I think uh, all three of these guys we got are very capable physically. Uh, they all bring different attributes. Uh, but right, well, who's got the best decision making? Then one thing, all three of them got big arms. I'm, I'm talking about throw the ball with a lot of velocity. Uh, uh, Beck and uh, Vandergriff got, got a couple inches on uh, 
Stockton as far as height, but uh, you know he's he's got that. He reminds me of Joe Cap. You know, he just gets back there and just fights for every inch and everything like Joe Cap did when he was playing. Uh, uh, so, but and Vandergriff's a good runner, but he's also a very good passer. So uh, we'll just have to see how they react. But the biggest thing beside that acumen is how do you relate to the players and they relate to you? I mean, the leadership, uh, to have leadership, you got to have followership. I mean, they gotta wanna, they gotta wanna be in there with you. Uh, as compared, to, you know, that some guys will say, "Well, they can't even tell the difference who's in a quarterback." Sure, they can. How you come in the huddle, the uh, way you, uh, you know, are very comfortable with calling the plays. Uh, I knew those guys were lying. I knew it. Who was we've, asked, we've asked offensive linemen, running backs, wide receivers. You know, what was what was the, the how the huddle change? when so-and-so went in, when the quarterback changed, you know, and obviously the game changed with the new quarterback change. It's like, oh, it's the same. I don't even know, really understand who's back there. I'm just, you know, lining up, doing my assignment. I'm not really paying attention to who the quarterback is. But you well, lying sacks of garbage. Don't tell that, me that bullshit. That's just, that's just programming. <laughs> but I'm just like, yeah, this is, this show is being honest tonight. That's when you got a quarterback controversy and the coach is saying, hey, don't. No, yeah, we we know. Let's talk about our guys. So, but they take a little too far when you're a center and you're like, I'm not even sure who's back there. <laughs> like, well, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a real battle, a, a royale type thing. Every school has that in the spring. You get a chance to, you know, preview what you're gonna carry over to the summer and uh, summer workouts and things like that. Uh, speaking of. Uh, spring and uh, summer workouts and such. Uh, 1970 dog says, happy birthday to Coach Donnan. Uh, will Kendall Milton be the number one running back, and what can he do to stay healthy? The guy has had well, he, poor he, luck. He's, he's definitely got the lead there. Uh, of course, uh, 30 can come in there and do it too, and you, you got to feel like the other guys are going to uh, – I mentioned Paul, Andrew Paul. I'm really high on him. I think he'll, he'll do a good job. And then the other freshmen – Branson, uh, Branson, of course, but the new Robinson is came in a little heavy, Robert. but he's got his weight down a little bit. But uh, the thing about Milton, both of the injuries that he had were not because he's a chronic guy to get hurt. I mean, you, if you're going to get a, a medial collateral ligament hurt like he did in that Florida game as a freshman, you know, that those things happen. Uh, and then he pulled his hamstring during two a days, and that happens. I know. Uh, over the years, that uh, that's when the worst things can happen to you early in camp, because you know you're trying to get back and get on the team, and you're worried about people passing you by, and you come out too quick, and and you don't let it heal properly. So, uh, I don't think he's a. That's a good question about what can he do. I just think just go out there and play because he's physically tough and. He's got that burst and he's got the size. He's a big back. I mean, yes. he's the biggest back of – I mean, he's a, a lot taller than Chubb, isn't he? I, I think he's taller than Chubb. And he's he's not, not quite as thick, but, uh, you know, he's Todd Gurley type size. I mean, yeah, he, he's a big boy. And when he when he decides to go north-south on people, he does. And to your point about just bad luck, I mean, remember Kenny McIntosh had that thigh bruise that just dogged him. 
Yeah, I saw him coming back. Got had a, something happened to him at the Senior Bowl today. I hope he's going to be all right. But uh, did Dash have any report on him? Yes, the Dash is actually at the Senior Bowl for the four uh, Georgia players that are down there. He saw Kenny McIntosh go down. He put in our group chat, great, Kenny's hurt. You know, we're like, damn. It's like, this is why you don't go to the Senior Bowl. But we, apparently it was just a cramp. So they, oh, they came out and said uh, later oh, on. That's good. That's good. So just to you get that fear, it's like, son of a – you know, you yeah, just well, worry about it. But uh, apparently he's okay, so uh, he'll be out there again uh, hopefully tomorrow. And Dash had a good interview with Warren McClendon who was in the uh, fatal car crash on the 15th. And Warren said that uh, he doesn't remember a whole lot of it. He's honoring uh, Devin Willett by wearing number 77. That uh, says um, it's, you know, tough for him to go day by day, but uh, he's, he's meeting with a, a psychiatrist to help him through it. So our, uh, you know, well, well wishes and uh, uh, best wishes go to Warren McClendon, who's, you know, got a heavy heart, but is trying to do what, he says Devin Willick would want him to do, which is to go down there to the Senior Bowl and kick some butt. So, and send a love to Tori Bowles too, because her recovery is ongoing and and tough deal for her. So, thinking about both those yeah. as they process all this. Yeah, we got what's the other questions here? Uh, we got J.C. Green. He says, uh, Coach, seems every year there's a breakout freshman that exceeds expectations for UGA, with so many talented kids to choose from. Who will be that person this year, and why? And I'm going to say that's a little tough question, J.C. Green, because the expectations for all these guys has to be pretty damn high. Talking about the present or the guys that are coming in. I mean, the ones that are the breakout freshmen, I would be assuming the ones coming in this year. So the guys that are all signed uh, on the back in December. and I, maybe, think, I think that kid from, uh, New, from up in New Jersey, Connecticut area, the uh, safety has got to be kind of like, same kind of situation that Malachi was in, just ready to go. He's got all the tools. I could see him stepping in there. Uh, certainly, uh, maybe Freeling at offensive tackle has got all the tools that you want. Then uh, uh, you got those three defensive ends. All three are just Wilson and Kimba and uh, who the other guy, uh, just uh, and Hall. We got some Gabe Harris. We got some. Stallion looking defensive lineman coming in here, and then of course that Jared kid from Greensboro. I want to get to know him so he'll bring me some barbecue once in a while. <laughs> I had an interesting oh, deal. I had an interesting deal today. This guy came up to me and asked me. He said, "You're from Burlington, aren't you?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Have you ever had any Lexington barbecue?" I said, "Have I ever had any Lexington barbecue?" I mean, I lived in Lexington until I was four. So, but uh, you talk about the Taj Mahal of barbecue. Twelve, they got twelve barbecue places in that one town of about twenty five thousand people. So, uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, so I'll I give you my freshman, Lawson Lucky. Yeah, Lawson got got a lot of talent. Uh, Janelle Locking is going to be vital. Janelle Aguero is the safety you're talking about, Coach. Yeah, Janelle. Hmm. He'll test. He'll test good too. Here's a Roddy. You and I posted calls for questions in separate threads, so yeah. we may be looking at different things. Here's one from Chris. Uh, Chris Landino says, "Coach, I'm worried a little bit about depth on offensive line, specifically the tackle positions going into this year. You see Mims as a guy with true experience, but behind that, you're looking at 
Blasky, Green, Freeling, who you just mentioned. So, tackle, is there something to be worried about? I mean, he shouldn't worry about it. I worry about it. I mean, because we've been so good there. If you go back to Thomas and all those guys, two drafted in the first round, and then, you know, even going back to Isaiah Wynn. I mean, there's a lot of good tackles here. Uh, now Jones and McClendon coming out. Uh, we don't have guys – lined up there like we, we've had uh, as far as can't miss in my mind. But we got some developmental guys to go with Mims who really prospered getting that extra time in when, when McClendon was out. But I think Ernest Green certainly fits the mold as far as what you're looking for. And then we'll just have to see how these other guys, you know, develop. Trust can move out to time. I, I was just about to ask you about Trust moving out. He can play there. He started in against Cincinnati. He didn't. He had some good plays and some bad ones, but he could. He's big enough and has the long arms. Uh, if, if, for instance, Wilson or or Micah Morris or something was better than the second tackle, then maybe you move him in the guard and let Trust move out and be the tackle. So they'll they'll mix and match all spring on that situation. But it was it was humongous. It was so big for uh Van Brand to come back because you got that that hub where you're losing your quarterback and if you lose your quarterback and your center you got two guys calling the shots that hadn't been doing it so uh whoever the quarterback is going to be is going to benefit from having Van Brand up there to help him with the line calls seems like every year Georgia has some big names come back that just changed the outlook, you know, getting Stetson come back, getting Chris Smith to come back, getting Robert Beal to come back last year, all big names. And then they have Trust stay, uh, Tramel Walther stay. Uh, Even Taiki Smith. I mean, you know, Taiki has had some bad luck as far as injuries, but uh, the guy was an All-American as a sophomore at West Virginia. I mean, in the whole, whole country, I mean, he he, he made an All-American defensive back. So uh, he's had to learn our style, which involves more man with the star position. But he gives you really good depth there with Bullard. And uh, and he, uh, you know, I think he's going to help his draft status coming back and get playing where he's not worried about being hurt. Well, if you talk about all-star status, I want to talk about our friends at Academia Brewing Company. You talk about winning, you know, all American awards and you know a nationwide award. Academia Brewing Company, their beers win a lot of those awards. So when we talk about, you know, all the different stuff they have out there, I want you to look. If you're watching the screen right now, I apologize to folks who are listening to it on the podcast, but we have their refri- their beer refrigerator up there, and you just see it's absolutely stocked with their, uh, you know, their Hopperdisiac, their Skull, their uh, uh, sour syllabuses, all the all the favorites. And of course, uh, the food out there is fantastic. They always have great meals. You know, they have the beer and biscuit brunch Saturdays and Sundays from 10 to 3. You definitely got to try that every weekend. Of course, they have all, they always have live music, uh, trivia Tuesdays, just all fun stuff going on all the time. The Jack's Cheesecakes, just saying, when you get a chance, swing by Academia Brewing Company, even if you don't like beer, it's a great restaurant. If you happen to like beer and you don't, you've eaten somewhere else. It's okay. It's a great brewery. It's 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 easy breezy. You can't you can't screw it up. 
So try them when you get the chance. That Jack's cheesecake. I don't know if anyone knows that story, but like I, I, we bought some before. My wife's a speech therapist, so she told me about it. So Jack is a young man that has some special needs, and he and his family have learned to make these amazing cheesecakes, and he sells them in the Athens area. So I'm pumped that Academia is on that train because they're some of the best cheesecake you've ever had. Well, that's a great corporate story, and when you talk to Matt Casey out there, he's like, hey, you know, this, we, we love what Jack's doing, but we also love it because it's good for our customers. It's good for our business. He, he's, you know, it's a great story, but it's just, it's a win-win. So uh, I, I like that. And that's the type of guy Matt Casey is. Huge Georgia fan. I can tell you for a fact he was in LA having quite the time of his life. Uh, our friends at Dead Soxie are also a great corporate story. So also a win-win. If you want to have some fantastic socks to give to your customers, to give to your friends and family and people. Uh, and you want them branded with your company logo, your motto, your whatever. You can reach out to Dead Soxy. Uh, let you know, let them know that, hey, I have an idea. They will work with you and create some fantastic socks. You only need to buy 100 or, you know, that's the minimum order is 100. So it's not like you have to buy 10,000 socks and have to deal with that. But reach out to Dead Socks. You get fantastic socks. And I guarantee you, these will be your favorite socks. They will also be your customers' favorite socks. And so when they go rooting in their drawer and they want to get out a pair, they're going to grab the Dead Socksy socks. And it just happens to have your logo on the top of the foot. They're going to see it. And they're going to remember that you gave them to them. And they're going to remember the presentation was really nice. So hit up our friends at Dead Socksy, and they will take great care of you. Coach, we hear about Georgia being running back you or linebacker you, but in talking about center at Georgia, and I'm just thinking about some of the names with Van Pran being the most recent, but Trey Hill, Ben Jones, Boss Andrews. I mean, you can go on and on and on. How important is it for a program to have, one, that caliber of player, but that stability at that particular position? Yeah, I mean, there's no question that that position is – everybody thinks – you know, the quarterback center exchange is just automatic. It's not. Uh, you don't have as many under center snaps as you used to. More teams are – even the teams that don't run the spread or operate out of the shotgun a lot better, uh, a lot more. But uh, just – it's just, you just have to have a dependable person there. He's not only got to block his assignment and help get the, get the line calls, but he's also – got to remember what the snap counts on you know a lot of linemen can't remember that but the center needs to for sure and uh, it's just uh takes a real special guy to be a center uh, I'm, it's very difficult to to uh play that position and uh, like you mentioned we've had some really good ones here and you talk about Lawson Lucky uh, his dad, Mike Lucky, was a linebacker for, for me, and his brother was a tremendous center here for us. He, he did a heck of a job, and uh, we we had a lot of good players uh, over the years at center at every place I've ever been. I lost the semifinal game and the national championship at Marshall uh, because our center tested positive for weed. Oh, God. And, uh, we had another guy in there that, uh, you know, couldn't snap in the shotgun. I mean, we had to play the game under center and made a difference because we couldn't protect that good. And we played all year. We 13 and one going in. And we had our best team we ever had at Marshall and the center 
missed the game and we lost. I mean, Damn. we still almost won, but it wouldn't have been been very easy with him playing. And I, I'll go to my grave saying that. Cool. I've got a question from Big Dog. Uh, Big Dog says, uh, Coach, I must say uh, the Devin Willick was starting to blaze a serious trail on that offensive front. It's true when you look back at how much he was playing. With the tragic loss of Willock, who, in your opinion, will likely emerge on as the projected two deep left and right guards on the offensive line? Georgia seems to have a lot of guards, Coach. Who do you? How do you I think, see them? I think Morris and uh, and Wilson probably be the guards, Mike and Morris and Wilson. But you never know what's going to happen with these new guys coming in either. But uh, as far as experience, both those guys are thick and knock you off the ball and. They'll, they'll probably be behind Truss and uh, Radlich. I've heard a lot of good things about Michael Morris. Uh, Coach, you were saying that center takes a special person to play that position. I love this question from Mullet Dog. It says, I know the quarterback battle gets all the headlines, but I'm curious what Coach thinks about replacing Hot Pod at kicker since Pod Lesney was money most of the season. And oh, don't even mention that. Up. I can't even think about that tonight. <laughs> uh, God. <laughs> That's that's that guy's money now. Uh, you know you, that word. You know those are just plays that you count on. But having a guy you can depend on as a kicker is almost as important as the center. But center's in there a lot more. But uh, you know we brought in a guy that's a good kicker, and we got Zirkle, who we signed a couple years ago, who Pod beat out. I mean he's got a good leg, but it'll be a competitive situation there, and they'll they'll give him a lot of chances. To, See who can do it. God, why did you bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> I will bring up something better that, that won't depress you as much here, Coach. I, I want to mention in our uh, closing moments here, mention our friends over at Prime Shrimp. Uh, when you get a chance, hit up our, the guys at Prime Shrimp. We add them to the show here. Uh, they have new packaging that looks really cool. So uh, the new boxes are pretty sharp, and they explain it really easy on how to cook everything. But for those, if you're listening to the show because we're doing this on a Tuesday night and you're not used to catching us live, uh, or if maybe this is the first time tuning in, we have a sponsor out of New Orleans. They make fantastic shrimp. They What they really do is they create uh, seafood processing equipment, but they put some of that equipment to use, peeling, deveining, beheading shrimp, and they put them into these uh, – clear plastic bags and they freeze them. They flash freeze them with some fantastic seasonings with them. You can try the garlic or butter, the signature Cajun, the French quarter Alfredo shrimp, the New Orleans uh, uh, barbecue shrimp. So uh, again, this is the taste of New Orleans. These guys know what they're doing. They're right in the heart of New Orleans. They, they're surrounded by fantastic cooks. They make fantastic uh, uh, Louisiana uh Cajun boil shrimp. Try this stuff. It's going to come to you in a box. The box is going to have dry ice in it. It's going to be insulated. It's going to come to you frozen. Take it out. Put it in your freezer. Then when you want to make shrimp tacos or shrimp alfredo or anything like that, boil uh, some water, drop the little bag into it, give it about four minutes, turn it once or twice, take it out, let it cool down for a second, cut open the bag and just dump it on your salad, your uh, grits. We had a uh, the dog vet make uh, uh, shrimp and grits. Said it was the best he ever had. Uh, point being, you will absolutely love the stuff from Prime Shrimp. Use promo code UGA Sports twenty. Excuse me, UGA Sports to get twenty percent off of your first order at Prime Shrimp. PrimeShrimp.com. It's pretty easy there. 
Roddy, I had to slide out in the middle of this. I'm curious. Did you ask Coach about Alabama's specifically offensive coordinator situation? I did not. Uh, Coach, yeah, give us your thoughts real quick on the Alabama. Alabama's trying to find a couple of different uh, coordinators. Yeah, I mean, it's just a tough situation for uh, a college coach to come in there uh, on offense because Nick is a defensive coach, and he knows the defense in and out. I mean, anybody that comes to the defense is going to run his defense, and they'll call it. But he won't let a coordinator put their system in as far as play calling. Uh, you know, the the terminology they got to use Alabama's terminology. So Kiffin had to learn it, Sark had to learn it, uh, all these guys, and then O'Brien had to learn it. So, so all of a sudden, you know what you can run and how to call it and all, but you you can call the game and you can add the plays and all. You just got to use Nick's terminology. So I think that probably surprised the guy a little bit. Maybe he didn't, but uh, and then his wife came with him and maybe she didn't like grits or something. I don't know <laughs> from the West Coast. but uh, it, uh, And then defensively, I mean, they're talking about – I think there's a coup trying to go down with uh, – find some way to get Jeremy Pruitt in there and uh, maybe make make him the coordinator off the field, but uh, Grantham be the coordinator on the field. I don't know, but there's a lot of rumors about that. Whether that will happen, I don't know. But having both of them would be great. I'd forgotten that Grantham coached with Saban at Michigan State. So you're talking across, what, three decades that they've been. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was a lineman for uh, – For Beamer. For Virginia Tech, and then he got on that up there. I remember when uh, I don't know who it was that I told somebody told me that uh, that he was coaching the uh, defensive ends at Dallas, and I told one of the uh, local guys around here that Grantham was going to be the defensive coordinator here. Nobody believed it, and. <laughs> Back then, we didn't have a lot of scoop like Roddy has all the time now. But uh, that's about the only scoop I ever had. I told him that that I was told him that Grantham was coming here before anybody else. Uh, Coach, we had a question question from Cameron Brown. Uh, we have the last couple of questions here. Uh, who, what do you think will? Who do you think will step up in the middle on the on the defense? Should Stackhouse be the one to take the next step? I think Stackhouse is ready. The way he runs, chases the ball, certainly bear. Is in there good. Uh, there's a lot of good young talent there. Uh, Trey Scott's just bringing them out and uh, putting them through the grinder, and they learn a lot of technique. But uh, Stackhouse, Waltower, I mean, there's a lot of good players in there. Uh, we were talking about the Alabama thing. Uh, Low Elo Joe says, if Munkin leaves, who replaces him? You got your money on somebody, Coach? Alabama. <laughs> no, we we're talking about uh, hey, Munkin's going to Alabama. No, I'm just saying, if Alabama's having to replace their coordinators, if Georgia has to replace Munkin, who does who steps in there? It'll be somebody on the staff. You got to think as far as quarterback situation. Bobo would be the guy that knows the quarterbacks and uh, has had a lot of extensive work with it. Uh, you know, and plus an ace recruiter too. You look at a lot of the guys that he recruited that weren't quarterbacks in South Georgia and all. And, and then the guys he recruited up in North Carolina, those backs, you know, he got those backs in North Carolina to come here. Uh, uh, so uh, I, I still remember how hard Mike Bubba worked to get Jay Rome and Malcolm Mitchell. 
he was going head to head with Kirby Smart, and they were fighting down in Valdosta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when we couldn't J. Rome's father. <laughs> Stan. 71. I think uh, the more interesting uh, thing is, like, if Georgia were to lose Munkin. One thing that I would say here about the whole deal is, boy, uh, look at Kirby's track record, and he he doesn't miss on personnel. Uh, he's had a couple that maybe he probably would have wished he didn't hire, but I'd say overall, it just he's batting a plus on hires and the way he's he's replaced people. Uh, so I don't worry about Kirby's. Uh, that's a real plus for him. So if that does come to pass, what I would be curious about is if Munkin leaves, and then if Buster Faulkner, who's already left. Who would they hire underneath to help support that? Because that unit of those three was really helpful for Georgia's offense. Well, you got Montgomery Van Gorder, who's still he's been here longer than Buster. Uh, he knows how he, he he runs that quarterback room too. He'd be perfect. Uh, there's uh, and you got uh, Jess Sutherland, who's another guy that works over there with the quarterbacks. We got plenty of help there. Uh, although Buster did a great job, don't get me wrong but uh can't hire buster now we ain't gonna hire somebody from tank <laughs> <laughs> all right last question, last question is from john williamson says uh coach do you think the starting qb is named after spring practice or does the competition continue into fall practice a couple things here if somebody really asserts himself and the other two just are really not as competitive as you'd hope then there's a lot to be said about the guy being the guy all summer where like Stetson was this year, you know, the guy's developing that little rapport with them and they do a lot of stuff uh, without the coaches there, but they're running the practices, you know, and, uh, but if, if it's tight, the way I look at it, you only have 15 practices, really 14 in the game. And, and then, but in the summer, you got 29 practices plus all that summer work and all, I would say, It'll be hard to, to name one after spring. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We've got such good competition. I mean, I yeah. think anyone, anyone, and certainly Beck deserves the first shot at it. He's he's worked hard, and uh, it's up to him to to keep the job. I mean, if you start out number one, then you you, you should. If you're good enough, then you'll keep it, you know? I mean, wherever you are, that's just the way it goes. But then you have certain years where then George ends up playing four quarterbacks and then Stetson Bennett oh, becomes, yeah. emerges from it. <laughs> right. I mean, we've had we've had every kind of scenario to go over on our show that you could ever have. Uh, so, uh, Eight plays of the season. Let me just tell you something. If you want to know how valuable a quarterback is, that's the San Francisco 49ers. They didn't have one. They were out. That's the point. Yeah. Clem Fidelhopper there can put on it. I mean, I think they should hire – I think they should have a rule in the NFL. A 53-man roster is one thing. But for the playoff games, you, you, you should be able to have an emergency quarterback. But the only way he could go in is if the other two got hurt. But it's just not fair play without a quarterback. I mean, I'm with you 100%. Uh, that, uh, and I hated that for that Purdy guy. He's going to have that 
terrible elbow surgery and he might come back from it and he might not. You know, you look at all the pitchers that have had that surgery and uh, it's terrible. Coach, did you see the design play in the Kansas City game where Travis Kelsey catches it and it's designed for him to pitch yeah, with the hook were, and ladder? They're running hook and ladder out in the field. I mean, you never know what Andy's going to run. I mean, that was unbelievable. But he didn't time it up very good. But uh, Do you practice those things? I don't know why more people don't do it. You know, people used to uh, talk about us running the tunnel screen, and we ran it a lot, but, you know, worked a lot too. But I've seen some team on the goal line throw the tunnel, and then the guys start running back towards the line and then flip it to the back coming around on the outside. Oh, of the wow. And uh, I asked Munkin about it. I said, if you ever run it, do you have that? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, if you ever run it, he said, I'm too scared to. Because basically, it's either outhouse or, or penthouse. You know what I mean? Because you're on the goal line, and if you would fumble it, it's kind of like that play that we ran to uh, – uh, and uh, where uh, we do it to 84, and he's coming back around McConkey, and it was a backward pass, and he lost eight yards. I mean, it looked it looked like good design, but ended up being terrible. That's the same thing if you ran the tunnel. I just see a cornerback taking it out of the air and going 98 yards to the house. Right. I mean, the other day, I mean, there's I've seen that happen so much at Marshall when it's cold. Uh, Teams come up there and their quarterback go back and act like he's getting ready to throw the ball and it just comes out of his hand because your, your hand's frozen. And uh, it was unbelievable what, what um, that play happened with, uh, you know, uh, with Kansas City. Uh, Mahomes did that. But. Well, we will have our uh, next Tuesday's show at noon. We'll be back on our noon schedule. I'll put you both on the spot and get your uh, Super Bowl predictions. Yeah, let's go with that Super Bowl. Uh, that's going to be good. Hey, we should do a Super Bowl watch along. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, what, 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 they're playing it out at uh, Arizona, right? Yeah, it's in Arizona. Well, I thought it was a good idea to have the show tonight just because uh, I was worried about recruiting, but basically, we don't really know much about what's going to happen tomorrow, but. Uh, uh, you know, I thought something that was funny was Nick Saban talking about the NIL, and this guy told him he wouldn't come there, would come there if it gave him so much, and then gave got his girl in law school or something. And people are saying, "Yeah, well, Nick won't put up with anything." How did he get the number one class in the country then if he's not using NIL? Yeah, that's that would be an untruth. No, that's what I'm saying. That's the point. Come on, Nick. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to take kids and demand NIL money. The hell you're not. Uh, we, we, we <laughs> Look, if there's a team not using NIL, it's obviously Florida right now. Yeah, we're, we're covering recruiting. <laughs> we know what these kids are telling us. Some of it's on the record, some of it's not. So don't give us that bullshit. Caleb Downs, where are you? Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, Justice Haynes, where are you at? Where are you at? Justice all right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week. We really appreciate you uh, joining us in the evening. It means a lot to us. And if you would, before you leave, please subscribe to this YouTube channel or hit the share button, if you would, and share it with all your friends. Uh, it means very much when you guys do that because we see our numbers take off when you share it. Because we can tell folks to watch it, but it means more when it comes from somebody 
that is a friend of you know one of your friends or somebody like that. Anyway, we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.